Welcome. Uh, my name is Alan, and hopefully your Mother's Day has been good so far. Moms, hopefully you've been cared for, taken care of already uh, so far. We have a treat for you here as we celebrate Mother's Day, is that these two uh, ladies are going to continue to paint throughout the message. So for those of you who are ADD, this might be a little tricky. This might be a little bit complicated, but the benefit of them continuing to work on this is that... Um, is it if I if you if you, I start to lose you if you if I start to get boring you've got something to look at that's that's kind of interesting to you. In fact, there's a, at about the 12 minute mark I really start to and so you can you have something to keep you uh, interested at that point. So uh, this is uh, Sandy. She is a part of our church and she um, yeah and she owns Be an Artist just down the road on the same complex as uh, Trader Joe. And then this is her uh, lovely daughter, Elena, who is painting with her. So yay. Thank you both so much for, uh, for um, uh, doing that. Now, if you have been a part of our Mother's Day services in the past, typically we do some kind of song for Mother's Day, some kind of spoof, some kind of song. And so some of you may be disappointed that we're not doing that this year. Some of you may be thrilled that we're not doing that this year. But uh, so we are not gonna do a song today. Next week, we're gonna start a new message and I might be singing a song next week for the part. I might, I may or may not be singing a song next week, so you may or may not wanna come for that. <laughs> okay. So, but today we want to honor moms. We want to honor women and uh, celebrate uh, the influence and the beauty of moms because the reality is that each and every one of us here in this room, we have a mom. And those relationships are all different and unique and many different kinds of relationships uh, with our moms, but we all have a mom somewhere as a part of this journey. And I believe very strongly that every mom loves her child. And uh, that love might show up in a very different way than it does for others. It might show up in a way that is not what we would prefer as children at times, but a mom deep down loves her child. And so we sit here in this room today, all of us loved by a mom, regardless of of uh, your beliefs or where you are with God, etc., that we can uh, celebrate the reality. That's worth celebrating. We are all uh, sitting here loved by a mom somehow, somewhere. And so as we head into that and celebrating that, would you bow your heads briefly with me once again? Father, I thank you uh, for uh, this day that our culture says we want to set aside this day. Father, I I pray that you are honored in our meeting and our worship and our conversation here today. And I pray that moms are honored as well. Um, God, that you would speak to moms here in this room, uh, here in this city in a way that is uh, according to your purposes, according to your plans. Would you give them the encouragement and the love and the grace and, and the uplifting words that you wanna give them, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Mother's Day is a complex mix of emotions. Mother's Day, I think more than most other Sundays, more than most other uh, days, there's a, a, a wide range of emotions that happen with Mother's Day. For some, it's, it's the greatest day. This could be your first Mother's Day uh, uh, as a mom. Uh, 
And so if that's you, we are so thrilled that you're here and that you have a little one and that you were able to celebrate Mother's Day here with us uh, today. I remember my wife's first Mother's Day 17 years ago that our firstborn uh, was born in March and then Mother's Day came around in May. And so on that day, I was excited and I, and I made on behalf of our little baby, I made a gift for my wife, a Mother's Day gift. It was an ashtray that said, Happy Mother's Day. And I did that because when I was little, that's what I made for my mom. And so, so it's never seen a cigarette butt, but it is in our kitchen. It has been for 17 years, and it is a, a uh, coaster for, uh, for Tammy's uh, mug uh, there in the kitchen, and it's still, still sitting there uh, at, at home. For some, Mother's Day is a sad day uh, because perhaps the children of grown older, and it's not what it used to be, and so um, maybe the kids are busy, and the kids aren't able to be around or be a part of this day as you would like, uh, or they're, they're, they're a great distance separating you at this point, and so there can be some sadness connected with it. For some, Mother's Day can be very painful. For some who desire to have children, and ha that door has not yet been opened uh, for them, this can be a very painful day, and so we recognize that. We remember that. This is a very different Mother's Day for our family. Uh, many of you know that my wife's mom uh, passed away earlier this year, and we were very, very close to her. And so this is our first Mother's Day without Rita. And, and so there's, uh, it's just a different Mother's Day uh, celebration for us uh, as well. It's a complex emotional day. One of the gifts that we received as a part of the condolences from uh, many loving people when uh, Rita had passed, a unique gift that we received from somebody was a butterfly cage. It, it's a little net that suspends, and uh, it's about this big, and it comes with a little cup with four caterpillars in it and a bunch of dirt. So somebody actually gave us a gift of a cup of dirt. Thank you very much. So over a two-week period, these caterpillars, we get to watch them get bigger and then attach themselves to the top of the, the lid of the cup, and they form their chrysalis, and then we remove that, take it into the butterfly net, and then we got to watch them after another seven to ten days transform into butterflies. And this is an amazing process. Metamorphosis is an amazing process. Did you know that the caterpillars, when they're inside the chrysalis, they liquefy? Did you know they actually turn into a pile of goo inside there? If you open it up in the middle, it would just be a, a liquid inside there. They completely change form, all their molecular, I see some of your faces are going, okay, this just doesn't sound pretty yet, but, but remember the end, they turn into a butterfly, so just, so, and then they, they turn into a goo, and then they reform, completely transform into the shape of a butterfly. It's absolutely amazing. God made millions of different creatures in the world, millions of different species and subspecies of creatures in the world. God made tiny little things and then grand uh, creatures, and God did not tire of his process of creation. And the evidence I have of that 
is that he not only created the rather interesting caterpillar. I mean, the caterpillar itself is a fascinating animal. That's my impression of a caterpillar. If you just saw me do this, you'd probably think, that looks like a caterpillar. And so God created this fascinating animal caterpillar. Didn't stop there, but said, I want to change that animal. He wasn't done there. I want that animal to change into a completely different thing in, in, in the form of a beautiful butterfly. I'm sharing this with you and enjoying these, wow, that looks beautiful, and enjoying these uh, paintings in behind me because I, I want to start off with the idea that God is an artist. God is an extraordinary artist. How many of you have driven down I-10 and then headed west on Pecos Road and just was in awe of the beauty of the sun setting over the west side of the mountains. How many of you ever seen that here living in this community? Okay, that's a common thing for us. There are times when my kids will run into the house at night, it's, at du it's dusk and they're coming home late or they've been playing outside and they'll come in and they'll say, mom, dad, you've got to come out and see this. You have to come outside and see. And we look up in the sky and there are reds and purples and oranges and yellows. It is absolutely stunning as some of the small clouds are capturing some of those colors. It's absolutely beautiful. And God has been creating those kinds of sunsets for thousands of years. King David, way back in the Old Testament, He's the writer of most of our psalms, which are just songs that they would sing in celebration of who God is. Psalm 19, verse 1, begins this way. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. God is an artist. God, in fact, is the artist. And do you know what God's greatest work of art is, Paul says in Ephesians chapter two, we are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You are God's greatest masterpiece. The reason I have a masterpiece in hard quotes there is that I typically teach out of the NIV version of scripture, the New International Version, and this verse comes from uh, the NIV, except that word is different. The NIV version uses a different word than masterpiece. Other translations use the word masterpiece, and I like that word much better because the NIV uses the word handiwork. And handiwork, that's, that's what you refer to someone who unclogs your toilet. I mean, yeah, thank you. That was handy. That was helpful. You know, it just doesn't have the sense of masterpiece. So I really like this word masterpiece. The, the Greek word that Paul uses here is poema, P-O-E-M-A, from which we obviously get the English word painting. No, poem. That's what we get the word poem from. And it literally means you are a work of art. You are a work of art. You are not supposed to be just like that person you envy. You are not supposed to be a recreation of somebody else. You are supposed to be you. You are a work of art. Sometimes we feel like a piece of work, but you, in fact, are a work 
God's greatest creation, God's greatest masterpiece is not the transformation of a caterpillar into a butterfly, although that's pretty high up there. God's greatest masterpiece is not the sun setting over the mountains on the west side of the foothills. God's greatest masterpiece is you. Later on, David writes this in Psalm 139. He says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. God's greatest masterpiece is a collection of cells inside the womb of a mother that duplicate and duplicate and form a tiny little heart and a tiny little set of lungs and a tiny little brain. And God breathes life into this developing little collection of cells. And there is a soul that is a part of this inside the human body. And that became you. And that is God's greatest masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. So that means a few things. First of all, what that means is you have great value. You're God's greatest masterpiece, so you have great value. How how does art have value? How do we determine the value of a piece of art? Do you know what the most expensive piece of art in the history of paintings is? It's actually a painting that was sold last year. Now, I'm talking about paintings that can be sold in a, in a public auction. I'm not talking about priceless pieces of work like the Mona Lisa. That will never be sold anywhere. It's, it truly is priceless. And so, uh, but there are other paintings and pieces of art that do transfer ownership. And the most expensive, most valuable painting ever is this one here. It is called the uh, uh, Salvatore Mundi. And uh, it was also painted by Leonardo da Vinci in uh, around the year 1500. This painting in 1958 sold as a part of an estate sale. It was the third generation of a family that owned this painting and they thought it was a replica. They thought it was a a fake uh, from the original uh, da Vinci painting. And it sold for $45 in 1958 as a fake. Well, what happens with these ancient paintings is that they have, they have um, paint that is overlaid onto the painting to try to fix it. And some people do a good job with it and some don't do a good job with it. And so there's, there's newer paint layered on top of the original paint. So what they do is they, they have new techniques to remove that paint and get back to the original Well, they started to work on this painting, and in 2005, they realized this, they still believed it was uh, fake, but it was a lot older and a lot better than they thought it was. So in 2005, this same painting sold for $10,000, from 45 bucks to $10,000 in 2005. Last year in November, after 12 years of working with this painting more, they took off more of this newer paint and got down to the lower Uh, versions, and they've decided that this was the original Da Vinci painting. This was the original, sold in 1958 for $45. In November of last year, it sold for $450 million. (laughs) 
$450 million for this one paint. It blew away any other painting, any other value. Who's to decide the value of a painting? Who's to decide that this thing is worth $450 million? What's the difference between a $45 painting and a $10,000 painting and a $450 million painting? Well, essentially, the value of a painting has less to do with what and more to do with who. That the value of a painting has mostly to do with who the artist was, who laid uh, uh, the ink onto the canvas and, and made it happen. That the what is less of an issue. Have you seen some Picassos? And these things are super valuable, and, and, and so, you know, it's all a matter of opinion, etc. cetera. But, uh, but so much of it has to do with the what. And so you are God's masterpiece. What that means is that you are priceless when you consider who it is who made you. Now, let me speak directly to the moms for just a moment here. Moms, your value does not come from the behavior of your children. Let that wash over you. Your value does not come from your comparing your kids to other kids. Your value does not come from how your house looks, how your yard looks, how your clothes look. Your value does not come from those things. Your value comes from who created you. Your value is not determined by what others say about you. Your value is determined by what God says about you. God says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God says you are his greatest masterpiece. You are of great value. One of the things that I see consistently in scripture is a balance between confidence and humility. That some of us need to be reminded of the confidence we get of being created by God. And others of us need to be reminded of the humility we're supposed to have because everyone else is also created by God. Elsewhere in scripture, Paul says that we are not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought. That's the humility piece, that you are not more valuable than the person sitting next to you. You are not more valuable than your kids, than your parents, than a previous generation, than the other parents on your street. And that's where, the, that's where the humility comes in. But then scripture is also very clear here in Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, that, that you uh, can have a tremendous amount of confidence because you are a masterpiece created by the ultimate artist. In other words, you are no less valuable than the person sitting next to you. You are no less valuable than your spouse, or than your kids, or than your parents, or than a previous generation, or than other parents around you, other people at work, or other people in your neighborhood. That there is this balance of confidence and humility. God made you to be a masterpiece, and you are no more valuable than the priceless masterpieces sitting around you. So you are God's masterpiece his greatest creation. So you're valuable. And then secondly, you are perfectly imperfect. You are perfectly imperfect. See, art is imperfect. 
That, that's what makes it art. That's what makes it beautiful, actually. That there's no line in nature that is perfectly straight. That nature always has movement to it. That art has imperfect lines, and it's part of the beauty of the art that is created. A computer can draw a perfect line, but a computer cannot create art. That a computer can recreate art perfectly, but a computer cannot create art. Machines and computers cannot, cannot do that. It's, it's the imperfection that makes it beautiful. It's like how much we enjoy our kids' paintings that are so childish. You know, when they have, I remember our kids would paint a hand, and in order to get all the fingers in there, the hand would have to be enormous. So they would have a, a head with the details, and then a stick body, and then a little hand with five big fingers on it, because they got to make sure the crayon can make five circles. And so they're, they're just huge hands on these guys, and it's that imperfection that makes it beautiful, that makes it, that makes it art, that makes it so appealing. You are perfectly imperfect. So what that means is that sometimes in life, something comes along and messes up your aim for perfection. Somebody messes up what you're working on. If I could, if I could, um, could I borrow a brush? Yeah, could I just use that brush? So, so, so this is a beautiful painting here. And like if I just came in and started painting on it, it, would, it, would, it wouldn't be great. It'd be like, you know, the kids, they, they break something, they mess something up. They, you have a plan for how the vacation's gonna look or how the plan, the, the, what you're gonna do as a family and then somebody comes in and messes it all up and it's not what you had planned and your perfect plan has been destroyed in some way. And so, or you've messed it up yourself. You made some personal decisions and you've messed something up. And so it'd be like coming along and messing up a beautiful picture. Here you, well, like, what if I just went like that? What if I, I just, see, you all freaked out. <laughs> see, but the artist, she didn't freak out. She's, see, the artist doesn't panic because the artist says, I don't expect this thing to be, to be perfect. I can handle a mistake in here. I can handle something in here. So God, you're perfect. Now, wait a minute, I've lost you. Right here, look at me. I can tell the whole room is, is over there, okay? She's gonna be fine, she's gonna be fine. So, so there's, there's this thing about being perfectly imperfect. The, the strive for perfection, which, is, which so many moms are plagued with. It's, it's that these, these perfect Facebook moms that we, that we read about or hear about, and we just, we just feel the desire, you just feel the, the need to keep up with them. And, and um, some, some research recently has, has said that, that kids who um, are influenced by the, by the perfection of their parents or the attempted perfection of their parents, it has a, it has a negative impact on them as kids because they realize their own imperfection and they don't know what to do with it. Our kids need to see our mistakes so that they can know how to handle mistakes. Our kids need to see our mistakes so they can see how it's modeled. What do we do when we make mistakes? Because the reality is our kids will go up and they will be 
they will have to deal with their own imperfection. And if we pretend like there's a picture that is perfect, our kids won't be able to live up to that. Now, in our home, our kids don't have to worry about that because they have me. And so that's a significant, significant part of my role in the family. Just this week, I took uh, Martin, my son, to Home Depot, and I was in a little bit of a hurry, and we pulled into the parking lot, and there was this Jeep in front of us that was going 2.3 miles an hour in the parking lot. And I just, I'm, I'm, I, I considered getting around the Jeep, and another car was coming this way, and, and I was just, come on, would you just get out of the way? Just, you go that way, I'll go this way, you go that way, I'll go this, whatever, just move on. And they're just so painfully slow, and I found myself in the middle of that drive verbalizing my thoughts about the driver of the Jeep. And I found myself saying things out loud, and, and, uh, and we, so we finally parked, and I looked over at my son, and he had a big smile on his face. And I said, what are you smiling about? He said, well, Dad, every once in a while, I, I, like, it, I like to watch you lose it. He said, it's, it's fun every once in a while to just kind of see you blow a gasket like that. And so we get out of the car and we were laughing as we were walking up to, to Home Depot there. Our kids need to see us make mistakes so that they can, it's not permission for us to make any mistakes we want, but we make our imperfect mistakes and then our kids need to see us respond to those mistakes. You are perfectly imperfect. So instead of grabbing the brush from the creator and saying, I'll do it myself, I'll fix it myself, I will do this, there's a better way. You are God's masterpiece. He is the artist. Now finally, the third thing. What that means is that you have a role to play in his story. Now you might wonder, how does that fit with the with the art of it all. Well, that's exactly what Paul's saying here in verse 10. It's exactly what he says. We are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That you not only are a work of art, but then you are an artist that God is using to do good works in the world in which you live. Moms, there are things that only you can do, things that will not get done unless you do them. You are the only mom in your kids' lives. They will have other women who have influence on them, women who are friends, women who become wives for your sons, and, and women who will have significant roles in the development of your kids. But they, they, you are their one and only Mom, and there are times when, when we, each and every one of us, we need the voice of a mom. We need the voice of a mom who, who asks questions like, have you thought this through? Because dads don't always ask that question. Dads often say, just go for it. What's the worst that could happen? And it's, and it's so often a mom who has to step in and say, are you sure this is the most wise approach you could take in this situation, that we all need the voice of a mom. Sometimes it is only the comfort of a mom that will do. Sometimes it's only the words and the voice of a mom to go into that unique place in a child's life. You 
have a unique role to play in your kids' lives. You were created to do good works. You're a masterpiece, and you were created by God for a purpose. And Paul wants to be very clear as he writes this. Don't get confused with our good works being the thing that creates our relationship with God. In fact, prior to verse 10, in the verses right before verse 10, verses 8 and 9, he says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from ourselves, yet it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Okay, let's just make sure we're very clear that these good works, they don't allow you to have a restored relationship with God. Hopefully, most of us here in this room are going to do something special for our moms today. You're going to remember to call your mom. You are going to spend some quality time with mom. You're going to uh, do lunch or dinner or have some, have, do something meaningful with your mom. Whatever wonderful thing you do with your mom today, that doesn't make you your mom's child, okay? The good works that we do with mom, they don't create the relationship. They flow from the relationship, And so a similar thing happens with God, that our good works, they don't create our relationship with God. They don't allow us to have a relationship with God. They flow from our relationship with God. Paul wants to be super clear about this, that you don't have to play out your role in God's story. But because you're his work of art, you get to play out his role in your story, in his story. You get to play out the role as mom, as dad, as leader, as student, as brother, as sister. So moms, just wrapping up here, moms, my hope for you this year is that you let go of the pressure of needing to be perfect of getting everything done perfectly, especially pressure that compares you with other moms, and that you would embrace the reality that you're a work of art, you're a masterpiece, that you would give the brush back to God, who's very good at painting a beautiful picture, that you would surrender that brush and say, God, I I want you to form and shape me into the beautiful thing that you have for me.